Acts chapter 2, what we're doing this evening is we're continuing what we said that instead of going paragraph by paragraph through the book, we're going to do some of those extra studies and answer some questions. And again, let me just back up and just make some comments for those listening and for those here this evening. This morning was one of those odd messages that there was things that I was sharing with you that I never would share typically, but it was in the text as we just worked through. And so that's the beauty of doing expository preaching when you go through it. Just There's no reason behind it other than there's just this is what the passage is giving for lessons and things of that sort. So I appreciate the fact that God records even problem times in churches so that we are able at times to sit down and discuss as a group some realities and some common sense things that go along with ministry. And so let's pick up on a topic that is often discussed, much debated, but it does show up in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is the first time that we read about it. We read this statement that's made in the book of Acts, and I think as we go through this whole study tonight and next week, I think you're going to be surprised by some things that are there, but other things you're very familiar with already. But here we go. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with the other tongues. As we, when we were going through at the all is two possibilities. Is it the 12 or the 120? And so many people assume it's just the 12, but it could, there is that remote possibility, it could include at the initial part the 120. Then we read in Acts chapter 10. Flip over to Acts chapter 10. We have not gotten there on Sunday mornings, but in Acts chapter 10 we read about another time where this gift of tongues shows up. And if you recall the setting. This is the time that Peter is being directed by God to go and preach the gospel the first time to a group of uh, Gentiles. And he comes in, he preaches at Cornelius's house. That is this Gentile man. He has his family there. And Peter has finished preaching a message to them, sharing the word of God. And then we read in chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. We're talking Cornelius in his house. And they of the circumcision, the Jews, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard, how did they know that? They heard them speak with what? with tongues, and magnify God. Then Peter said, Can any forbid water that these should not be baptized? Which we obviously see that they have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized. One other text I want you to jump to. Go to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. And we read in Acts chapter 19, again, another account we haven't come to yet. But this is during the missionary journey. Paul is preaching. He's at the city of Ephesus. And it came to pass that, that Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said, Well, then what were you baptized unto? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and the men were about twelve of them that were there. What is interesting to note is tongues did happen, this gift of tongues in the New Testament, or in the book of Acts in particular. There is only three times it occurs in the book of Acts 
which is covering a period of 30 years. And yet, by the way that gets discussed today, you would think that it was all through the book of Acts, that it happened every time, every place, and every moment somebody got saved. That's not the case. It happened rarely in the book of Acts. But it's enough there that it causes us to pause and to say, okay, we have to answer a few questions. Some of the questions that are pivotal in this discussion are these, that idea of our tongues for today. By the way, the simple answer is no. But that doesn't mean we just stop there tonight and we're done. I want you to understand why we would hold to no. I want you to understand about other aspects of it so that you can wisely answer the questions that come along with it. If it is functional, which we say it's not, then who speaks in tongues? There are those who claim that every believer is supposed to speak in tongues. And yet if you go through the book of Acts, what we just saw, was it common or was it the exception? It was the exception. Okay, it wasn't the common practice. And if it is a practice for today, then how do we get this gift of tongues? I'm going to be reading from you, uh, for you, a personal story by somebody that I'm sure most of you know. His name is Terry Bradshaw. Any of you know of him at all? Okay, Travis, have you ever heard of him? What team did he play for, Travis? Yeah, who is your favoriteest team, right? Okay, anyway, Bradshaw is, recount, is recounting his own personal experience when he was still in the NFL. And he makes this comment. One time I remember I attended a Pentecostal service. The Pentecostals are what is often referred to like the charismatic religion. They believe the Holy Spirit speaks through them. While it may sound a little like gibberish, it's known as speaking in tongues, okay? At this service, the preacher was raising the Holy Spirit. Quote, God said we are going to rise to the top of the mountain. We are going to take God's children up to the top of the mountain. We are going to ya la 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 And he began to speak in tongues. I couldn't understand a word that that man was saying. What is that, I wondered. I turned around and asked some person standing behind me, what is he saying? And the man responded, speaking in tongues, I was told. It didn't matter if I understood because God understood it. It's the perfect communication we have with the Lord. That definitely got my attention. When I was with the Steelers then, I would occasionally join several players in a Bible study. At one of those meetings, they asked me if I would like to receive the Holy Spirit, meaning would I like to learn how to speak in tongues. Well, of course I would. I'd taken French in high school and could speak a few sentences, but this was something entirely different. The only way to get the Holy Spirit, I was told, was from people who have received it. God gave it to them. They can pass it along to other, other people. It's done physically through what is called laying on of... Okay. We went into my dormitory room at training camp, and I sat down on my bed. A group of my teammates surrounded me and started praying loudly and fervently. They laid their hands on my body, and where they touched me, I could feel something like heat. Something was definitely happening. The whole room started getting very hot. They were starting to shout louder and louder, "'Lord, we are saved! We are saved!' I really don't know if the room got hot because I was receiving the Holy Spirit or simply because I was just that nervous. But I definitely could feel heat rising inside of me. People were praying and yelling. They were yabba-dabba-doing all around the room. And it was an old-fashioned tent revival meeting right there in my room. I kept waiting for the message to come through me. I was ready to receive the yada-yada-yada-yada gift of tongues, but nothing happened. Finally, everybody calmed down and they began teaching me how to speak in tongues. 
Wait a second, I thought. If this is supposed to be a natural outpouring of the Holy Spirit, why does it have to be explained to me? If God speaks to me and the Holy Spirit is in me, then the Holy Spirit should do the talking. So why do I have to learn certain words in order to speak in tongues? That was a question I never could get answered. The only conclusion I can reach, this is sad, the only conclusion I can reach is that I never received the Holy Spirit because I never spoke in tongues. Now, he's not the only one confused. There is a tremendous amount of confusion. By the way, it's not just outside of our church. It can be within our body. And so what we want to do is we want to find the honest, correct answers. And that means we have to be honest with the passages. I do, you do. We have to look and say, okay, what does this text say? For instance, did they speak in tongues in the New Testament? Yes, we can't deny that. It was an absolute gift of the Spirit that was happening. And so in order to go through the study, I want to ask several questions. I'm not going to get through all the notes there tonight. Plus, there's another two pages more. So we're going to start off and get as far as we can this evening. Then we'll, we'll stop. We'll celebrate communion. We'll come back and we'll pick up our study. But I want you to be informed. Let's start with the very, very basic foundation. We talked about some of this about five weeks ago when we were talking about healings. But let's back up. And let's make sure we're all on the same page again. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, what are they? What we, what we need to understand is that when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the reason we need to talk about them in general is because tongues is one of them. When it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, this is the area of His ministry that is most debated and most subject to all kinds of opinions, is what about the gifts of the Spirit? They're in Christianity, people don't usually question the character of the Holy Spirit. They don't question His deity, but they question His gifts. And so what we want to do is we want to talk about the gifts, and I want to make some observations. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, we find several different passages where Jesus, for one, he said, I will pray and ask the Father to give you the gift of the other comforter, a gift, the person of the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts 2, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is not the same as the gifts of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is getting the Holy Spirit to indwell within you. How many believers get the gift of the Holy Spirit? All of us do. All of us do. Peter is uh, talking as he's going through his ministry, and he comes to a, a spot where there's a man by the name of Simon. Simon sees that Peter is meeting out the Spirit because initially the Spirit wasn't given to everyone immediately upon their salvation because the disciples needed to know that the Gentiles were getting the Spirit. There are occasions that the Spirit did not come upon Gentiles or Samaritans until the, disciples, the apostles were there and they ministered to them. And then all of a sudden there's visible evidence that they're all of a sudden receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today now it's just, it happens simultaneously with us. And that takes us back to a truth that I will mention again in this study later on. What happened in Acts was not the norm for what happens for us in all cases. And I'll prove that to you as we go through the study tonight. But uh, this magician, this guy who boasts of things, he wanted the power to give the Holy Spirit. So he offers to buy the ability to distribute the Holy Spirit from Peter. 
Peter responds, your money perish with you because you thought that the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, could be purchased with money. And so again, we have one other verse. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Clearly in Scriptures, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not equated to the same thing, happens simultaneously with when you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is this person coming within you. Number two, there are a number of spiritual gifts of the Spirit that He might distribute to those who already have Him as the gift of the Spirit. He might give them some gifts. If you go through Scriptures in the New Testament, there are four passages that give you a listing of those gifts. None of them is comprehensive. None of them uh, says all the same thing. Some of them are very short. Some of them are very long. When you compare those four different gifts, or lists, excuse me, you find that there's somewhere around this number of 20 some odd number of gifts. The reason that there is a debate as to how many gifts there are is because we don't understand all of them fully what they were. Is there an overlap? Did one author call the gift of government the same as one other author calling it the gift of ruling? I don't know. Scholars today don't know if they're the same thing or if they were different. So what we did is we kind of listed these out so that they're there as they're listed, independent if there was different words that were used. And so you look at them and you say, okay, then what do they mean? What are they? Okay, we understand what the gift of tongues is because that's our subject. We understand what the gift of the Holy, uh, of pastor teacher is because we function in that regard. We understand what apostles were because we've already studied them in the book of Acts and everything that you've heard so far in the study of the book of Acts you remember perfectly. So you know what the apostles are. And so we understand what some of them are but maybe you have far greater insight than I do. I don't fully understand what the gift of helps was. I don't fully understand what the gift of speaking is. Okay? Today we call it, we might say in a funny sense they have the gift of gap. Is that what it means? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't fully understand what he means by the gift of giving. I can take a crack at it. Maybe you can too. But I, I don't understand every single one of these. Some of them I understand really well because they're explained, they're, they're, they're illustrated in the scriptures. But I do know this, looking at the list, that I can clearly conclude that some of them were an ability or an opportunity for service some way that they were able to show mercy, they were able to give, they were able to minister in some way. It's very similar to this. Some of them were a position that the pastor, the teacher, the apostle, it was a position. So some are an ability, an opportunity. Some of them, you know, they could be taking your your abilities and heightening them. For instance, this, we have this idea, some are totally supernatural. Nobody has the idea of being able to heal people with a word or a touch in and of themselves. That's a totally supernatural act. The tongues, as I understand tongues in the New Testament, nobody had that ability to all of a sudden, without ever studying, without ever working at it, to speak in another language or to be understood as they spoke in another language. It was so supernatural. The idea of miracles. A miracle is obviously something we can't conjure up. So some of them were very supernatural. Some of them strike me that they're a heightening of what skill set you may have, but then there's enablement to carry that out. For for instance, even let me take you back to the gift that that you have privileged me with, the gift of being a pastor. 
I have to have the ability to be able to teach. That's one of the qualifications, yes? Okay. But could it be gifted? Could it be heightened by the Lord? Yeah. Okay. So the gift of giving, okay? How many of us are supposed to give? All of us. But some people apparently have the ability and it's heightened more. Some people have wisdom, okay? And, and in fact, how many of us are supposed to seek after wisdom? All of us, okay. But some people, it's apparently heightened more than, than normal. Uh, and so, I, and again, I'm not fully confident. I understand the ruling administration. If I put it in modern 2023 terms, I can give you an idea what it is, that I think it is, being able to be organized, that type of thing, and lead people. But apparently, some of these gifts were taking even some abilities, and they were heightened. The other thing that I think we have to be really honest about this is, as we said already, we don't really know exactly all of them to define them. We can take a shot at it, but some of them are a little bit harder. And, and you're going to come up to me afterwards and say, well, I think it's this. Great. I'm glad that you think that. Okay. All I'm saying is, I'm not sure if we can be 100% positive because I've heard different definitions, read different definitions for the leading, for the administration, for the knowledge, for the speaking. You know, there's a variety of different explanations what they are. A lot of them are in the same ballpark, but there's uh, variations. Here's another thought that we need to be honest with. We don't know if these lists are totally comprehensive. We just don't know. Is there a possibility there could be more gifts than, than were listed there in the New Testament? The reason that some say that is because of passages like this that it says that you who have received the gift, and it doesn't outline what that gift is when he's talking in the book of Peter. Timothy is reminded, you know, stir up the gift. Don't neglect the gift. Well, is, what is that gift in particular? I don't know. It could be a comprehensive list. I'm just saying I don't know for sure if it is. Um, but, but again, we want to be honest with all of this. The original words that are used for the gift of the Spirit, there are four of them used in the New Testament, used interchangeably within the text, sometimes within a very text like 1 Corinthians. Maybe if you look at the words, and not to give you an impression that you don't know anything, but there are four different words from the Greek that are translated a gift or a grace of the Spirit. And I'm not trying to belittle anybody by saying that this is from the original language that you wouldn't know, but I'm just trying to open up this door of, okay, maybe we can get more insight by going back to the words that were used then. And the words that were used in the book of Acts, as well as in other New Testament passages, are these four different words. One of them is charisma. Have you ever heard of a word today that's used in, with gifts that sounds like this charismatics? Okay. The word literally means something free, something undeserved. It's a gift. It's not something you can create within yourself. So just by the very fact that people were teaching Terry Bradshaw he had to do something, it contradicts the word. There's another word that's used, pneumatikos. Anybody see, hear something in that that's familiar? Okay, okay, pneumos is the idea of spirit. Okay, so pneumatikos is the idea of something related to the spiritual realm, particularly probably the Holy Spirit, something supernatural. Then there's two more. One is doria and one is doma. Okay, so you look at, those, look at those words now and look at their definitions that, that you look and say, okay, can we draw any conclusions by looking just at the various words 
what do they say to you about the gift of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit? Does anything stand out to you? What's that? They're free. They're free, okay? That to me is the most outstanding characteristic by looking at all the words. We look at and say, okay, they all have the idea of something that we don't deserve, we don't bring up. So if I were going to put a singular definition, I'd say the gifts are free, unmerited gifts from the Holy Spirit. Not something we conjure up, they come from the Spirit. Not something we deserve, they're unmerited. Not something that we do to earn them because they are free gifts. And so we look at that and say, okay, that helps me to get a little bit of a handle that this is something that is free given to us. In other words, who controls the gift? God, the Holy Spirit. This isn't us. This is something freely given that comes from the source of God. Who gets or who has the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, the gifts of the Spirit? Go with me to the passage that speaks most about tongues, but it also expands to other gifts. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. And I appreciate your patience in just letting me run through this whole diatribe of information. Let's go back to chapter 12. What happens in chapters 12, 13, and 14, the book of Corinth, well, let me back up. Through the entire book of Corinth, Paul is writing answers to the questions that have been asked. There's a series of questions that he's going to say, okay, some of you are wondering about going to court. Some of you are wondering about communion. Some of you are wondering about the resurrection. Well, in chapters 12, 13, and 14, he's basically answering a question that came to him that said, what about the gifts of the Spirit? And he starts off with verse 1 of chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, he says, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaks by the Spirit of God calling Jesus, can call Jesus a curse, that no man can say that Jesus is God or Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, he says, okay, now here's when it comes to gifts in particular. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. Do you have another word for diversity, anybody, in your translation or footnotes? Variety? Thank you. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Anybody have a different rendering for differences of administration? What'd you have? Okay. Okay. Um, difference, differences of ministry? Is that what you're saying? It says? Okay. And there are, he says, diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation is given to everyone. If you look at verses 4, 5, and 6, he is basically saying there's a variety of gifts. They're not, in other words, it's normal to see a variety of gifts within a body of Christ. But behind it is the same Lord, the same Lord, the same God. That's his premise of starting. Variety of gifts, but the same God. And then he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, that is the the gift-giving of the Holy Spirit is given to how many people? Okay. He doesn't say which gift. He is talking about a variety of gifts are given by, the, by God to what people? Okay, we're talking to the church. What, what people in the church? Okay, every believer, every Christian has some gifting by the Spirit of God to every man and then he gives us as well, he says, to profit with all. And then he gives specifics. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of... Okay, 
To another, the word of, you have knowledge? Okay. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of, okay, we have the same thing. To another, prophesying. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all of these, behind all of these variety of gifts, works what? The one same Holy Spirit. So he's making it clear that each individual within the body of Christ, each believer has a gift. That's exactly what Peter said. Peter supports that concept, that every one of us has a gift. That's what Romans says. Romans uses the same illustration of a body, that a body has many members, but we're all connected to one. And remember how he goes on in this chapter? There's fingers, there's eyes, there's ears. And there's a variety of responsibilities and abilities given in our physical body. The same thing is true in our spiritual body. We all don't do the same things. We might look different, we might sound different, we're gifted differently, but we're all connected together. And the one who puts us in this place, whether we're the ear or the eye or the nose, it is who that makes the assignment. It's the Holy Spirit, okay? And so that's what Paul runs with in Romans 12. He says, we have many members in our body, but all the members have not the same abilities or office or positions. They have differing gifts according to the grace that was given to us. And again, it's given by grace. Whatever God gives you is a gift. Something else that stands out, and we already mentioned, it is given by the Spirit's direction, by His desire, by His discretion. That is the emphasis of this text. Because what were the people doing in Corinth? They were all claiming certain gifts. In particular, you know which gift they were claiming in Corinth? Tongues. That becomes the discussion. They are saying, if you're spiritual, you speak in tongues. Therefore, we all need to have tongues. And Paul's whole beginning of this entire discussion is, no, The one who determines who gets what gifts is God, not people in the church. Not somebody telling you, you aren't spiritual if you don't do what I say. It's the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point of this text. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts out. We don't get gifts by pleading or doing some practice or or saying, yeah, I'm going to repeat. My family went through the same experience. I told you this before. That when we were baby Christians, some charismatic Christians who were very gracious, very kind people that wanted us to grow, they came to our house and they were telling us to repeat certain phrases faster and faster and faster until all of a sudden we'd speak in tongues. That's not what this text is saying. This text is saying you get that gift from... The Holy Spirit, you don't like, you, you remember how cars used to get started years ago? Remember what you did? And what did you have to do? Crank it fast. Okay, we don't crank up our spirit until all of a sudden we have a gift. And so the, he's making it very clear in the text. The gifts vary from person to person. We've already read that. He states it in this text, but he states it more than once. Verses 8 to eight through 10, we read that. Jump down further in the text. He says it again in a different way. Are all apostles. Now, in the original language, it's very clear when you read in the Greek that they already give you the yes, yes and a no by the way that the question is phrased and words used. Can you guess what the answer is clearly in the original language? No. 
Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Oh, you guys are good. Okay, keep it going. Have all the gift of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. He's made it very clear. I don't know how, the, how people don't see this in this text. That he says very clearly the gifts, they vary. And he says the same thing in the book of Romans. Having gifts differing according to the grace given to us. Which brings us to a profound truth when it comes to gifts and in particular with tongues. Not all have though any one gift and it, nor is any one gift meant for everyone to have. That is important. That is critical in this discussion. God never said all the believers would speak in tongues. In fact, he said just the opposite. And so that's a very clear statement. Here's something else. The distribution of some gifts was based on spiritual character. Yes or no, would you agree with this? It's a free gift. It's undeserved. But can you think of any gifts that required spiritual character or maturity? Pastor teacher. Pastor teacher, right away. Didn't we get clarification in Scripture that they have to be of a certain spiritual character? Yes. Okay. Can we make this statement? Okay. Some of the gifts were not based at all on spiritual maturity. Okay. Where do you get that? What did you say? The helps gift? Where do you see that in Scripture, though? I'm looking for a passage to support that. Okay, where do you see that? In what passage? What's that? Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, how long was Cornelius saved before he spoke in tongues? We read the text. That's when Peter came in and is preaching the word of God to them. And all of a sudden, they start speaking in tongues, and Peter says, how can we forbid that these would not be like us because they now have the Holy Spirit? How old are they spiritually in the Lord? Minutes. Minutes. Cornelius is the one that strikes me, that he speaks in tongues immediately as a baby Christian. As well, um, people don't like this, but the book of Corinth focuses of one gift more than any other gift. It's the gift of tongues. If you take and go back to the beginning of the book, go back to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3. It makes it very clear in chapter 3. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto, what's your Bible read? As unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. And then he says in verse 3 again, you are yet carnal. And yet they had the gift of tongues. So some of the gifts really did require spiritual maturity. Some of the gifts, they didn't. So if somebody claims to you that only spiritual people speak in tongues, what's the honest truth with Scripture? That's not true. That's, not, that's a false statement. It's a false statement that... here. Now, now think what, I'm, what I've already just shared with you from the Word of God. True or false? All Christians need to speak in tongues. False. Oh, and if you speak in tongues, it means you are super spiritual false. Okay? 
But it sounds good, but it's contrary to Scripture. Okay, let's continue in just saying, okay, what else do we eat? We may not recognize our own gifts. We may not, Timothy, you know, he's got to be reminded about it. In fact, if you go through, the, we'll get to the book of Acts. Timothy was promoted by those who were teaching him. He himself didn't feel qualified. That happens a lot, does it not? That some people may not feel qualified to be able to serve, but others see they have the ability. And so we may not know, okay? Um, I know of only one gift that I have, and that's the position. Could God have given me other gifts that I'm not fully aware of? I think so. Could he have done that to you too? Okay, and the reason I say that is it's nice for people to do studies to be able to say, well, let's see what these gifts are and do I match up to them? That's nice. But there's an inherent danger to doing that. Do you know what the danger is? We aren't our best um, judge of our own selves. We're, we're, you know, sometimes we see ourselves different than what we are to others. Some people think that they are great leaders, but nobody's following them. Okay? Uh, in that, so, so I always hesitate on that because, you know, I've seen these tests. I've had people come to me and they share. And I've had ladies come and say, I have the gift of pastor-teacher because I've done this test. Okay? But what does Scripture say? Okay, so, so I think there's an inherent danger to doing some of that. But I, this one I am clear about. These gifts were given for a specific purpose. 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 7. It includes tongues, by the way. Why did the Holy Spirit give the gift of, let's say, tongues? Because that's the conversation. What does he say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7? To profit with all. Somebody give me a different translation. My King James says, to profit with all, the last phrase. What's that? For the body of Christ. Okay, so the gift was not given for personal, what word do you want to put in there? Elevation, you know, presentation. The gift was given to be a blessing to the body, the body of Christ, okay? To profit with all, to help the whole body, okay? And in fact, that fits so well. The whole story that he goes on right after that and says, we're a body with all these different parts. Why is your ear important? It has the job of. So should it just go off by itself? That, he talks about that way in the story, like, you know, as silly as this. How would your ear function with the, when it's walking around all by itself? And I've just used words that are impossible. How's your ear going to walk around? <laughs> okay. Paul's point is, we function within the body. Okay, there's another reason given, okay? There's another reason given in Scripture why the gifts were given. So you're holding your finger here. Jump with me to Hebrews 2. This is critical. This is so important for us to lay these foundations. And wherever we stop here in the next few minutes, we'll pick up again next time. But Hebrews chapter 2. 
He starts in this text and he refers to the gifts. Hebrews 2. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received those who didn't listen to the angels, they had a just and recompensed reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by who? What's he talking about? What salvation began to be spoken by Jesus Christ? You must be born again. And it was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Who is the ones that carried on his message? The apostles. God also doing what? Bearing them witness with what? Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Ghost. So one of the reasons gifts were given, according to Scripture, an honest, an honest examination, was to, to benefit, profit, to help the body of Christ. Not to promote self, but the body. What's another reason that it was given from this text? What's that? Yeah, it's to confirm the new message or the messengers of the gospel. That was given. Okay, that was one of the reasons. That makes a lot of sense. Do you remember the story of Peter that we already talked about in Acts 10. Peter is standing there preaching the gospel. Who's he preaching it to? Cornelius. What is Cornelius's background? He's a Gentile. What did the Jews have problems with? Gentiles being saved. Okay? This gift of miracles was what convinced Peter they're saved just like we are. Can any man forbid water that they don't get baptized? Acts 10 is revolutionary in the, in the history of church. We better be thankful for Acts 10 because we're the Gentiles. Okay? And they opened up the gospel to us and to our ancestors. And so it was a gift given that the apostles could see. That's why the Spirit hesitated in, in, uh, at times coming to the Samaritans until the apostles were there and they could visibly see, oh yeah, the Samaritans are accepted into the body of Christ. So the timing of those things was important. There is another reason, and especially with the gift of tongues, that is stated in 1 Corinthians 14 that most people just gloss right over in this discussion. We're back in 1 Corinthians, go to chapter 14, and he's going to talk about this idea of what tongues were for, that they were, they were given in particular with a certain people group in mind. We're going back there. Verse 21. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. Wherefore, tongues are for a what? A sign. Not to them that, but to them that, but prophesying serves another purpose, okay? In, in the Old Testament where he's talking about this idea being a sign, which people is he talking about? Who are the people that ask Jesus for a sign all the time? Okay, so we look at it and said, okay, the, some of these gifts were given to be a sign in particular to the Jews, okay? Which gift in particular? In this text, it's the gift of tongues, okay? Which Jews? Not in this text. Which, which, the believing or the unbelieving? The un, this text says the unbelieving. Okay? This is to the unbelieving Jews. Did that happen in the book of Acts? 
No. What happened in the book of Acts? Okay, yes, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Did it happen in the book of Acts that it was assigned to the unbelieving Jews? I'm ahead of myself here. In when? What day? Pentecost. Who was there that was, were unbelievers? People from outside the city, people within the city. And so what happens is they see the sign and it gets their attention. Some people said they were drunk. But people listen and how many people responded? 3,000 get saved that day. Okay, so it happened in the book of Acts that way that it was to the unbelieving. Did it happen that way in Acts 10? When Cornelius spoke in tongues, was it a sign to Jews that were standing there? The answer is yes. Peter and the others with him. What? But they were believers. They were believers, but it was still it was to be assigned to them. What does that tell you about the book of Acts and the normalcy of tongues? It's not there isn't a normalcy with tongues in the beginning. What it tells me is this, a profound thought. Number one is this, what happened in Acts is not always the standard of how things like the gifts operated later on in, in the New Testament. This is really important. The way they did tongues in the book of Acts, by the time they're writing 1 Corinthians 14, they're saying we're doing some things different. It's a transitional book. It, things were just happening. You and I have to be careful to run back to the book of Acts and say, well, just because they did it in the book of Acts, we should do the exact same thing today. Okay? Got to be careful. Good thing God doesn't discipline us the way he did in the book of Acts. Right? Okay, so number one, this will end here, but this is really important. You, for you in your interpretation, not everything in the book of Acts is the same thing as it's for today. What helps us to understand what is really for us today? Which part of the Bible? Written to churches. Begins with E. Ends with Uls. E. The epistles that are written to Ephesus, Corinthians, Galatian churches, etc., etc. Things changed even during the New Testament era. Would you agree with that? You say yes because you, I'll prove it. But what happened in Acts may not be the standard for the way the gifts are to function today. You can prove it. We'll have to pick up next week. But how many spoke in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost? says they all spoke. The 12 or, or 120. It seems to be they were all speaking at one time and people were saying they were drunk. But then we go to 1 Corinthians 14 and he says, from now on, how many can speak? Two or three at the most. And they have to speak one at a time. And before they speak, we have to have an interpreter. There is transition happening. Okay? And these, what he gives us as we go through progressive revelation, we understand that his last words are the, are the ones clarifying for everything that's come beforehand. So it's, it, there's so much more, but I want to end up with this one. Go to, go to the end of the chapter. Okay? The end of chapter 12. We've already started there. We said, he says, have all the gifts of healings, and you already answered verse 30. What's the answer? No. Do all speak with tongues? What's the answer? No. Do all interpret? 
No. But you all is the idea. You all covet earnestly the what? Okay? And yet I show you an even better way. Though I speak with the tongue of men and the angels, and I have not charity, I become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and yet have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not charity, it what? Profits me nothing. Charity suffers long, is kind, envies not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly, nor seeks her own, nor is easily provoked, and thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. Whether they be prophecies, they're going to fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it's going to vanish away. For right now we know in tidbits and we prophesy in tidbits, but when that which is complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in just small, small matters, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And now abides faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest is charity. And what is the greatest example of love? Right? Here we are tonight coming to celebrate the greatest example of love and compassion that we could. And that's the work and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus.